The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Last week we talked about a two-way test. That there's this thing called tithing, and tithing is a test. It's a way that God tests us. He tests our heart to see if we really are for Him in every area of our life. But it's also a way that we can test God. We can test the faithfulness of God in our life and, 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 and actually see him prove himself faithful. In fact, in, in Scripture, it's almost like God double-dog dares us to do this because he says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. Make no mistake about it. God wants to bless you. And when you obey him, you position yourself to be able to experience that blessing. And if you've missed any of the first couple weeks of this, I'll just encourage you to go back Listen to those podcasts. In fact, even if you didn't miss it, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it over and over again and really let these, these words sink down deep inside of you. Uh, and I just want to say this today, too. I, I'm so proud of our church. I really am. I'm so proud of you guys. Um, last week, after I taught the message on tithing, I had more people come to me after service and throughout the week and, and ask me questions than I've ever had after any message ever before. But here was the heart of these questions. The heart was, am I doing this right? I, I want to do this right. I want to honor God. I want to worship God with my giving. I want to put God first in my life. Am I doing this right? And let me just tell you, as a pastor of a church that's full of people that are thinking that way, that gets me really excited. Because I know if that's the heart of our church, man, God can use people who have a heart like that to do some amazing things. And what I see in this church is you are not just hearers of the word but you are doers of the word. We have seen our, our offerings, our tithes increase. We've seen people that, that don't tithe start to tithe. It, it's amazing what God's been doing. The other thing I heard this week was all sorts of other testimonies that came flooding in from people who, who have been tithing and they've seen God bless them. And they wanted to let me know, hey, this does work and this is amazing what, what God can do and wanted to share that with me. And, and so I wanted to share one of these kind of testimonies with you this morning of a couple in our church that, that made uh, giving, made tithing a part of their life and how it changed their life. So if you would, turn your attention to the screens, check this out. Kristen and I got married very young and um, we got married in uh, May and I deployed in June, and so the first year of our marriage, I was I was overseas. The entire time I was overseas, it was kind of, you know, the conversation that her and I were having was my career, what it was going to be like when I was back home, and once I had gotten out of the military, tithing really wasn't something that we were talking about. Finances were really a point of argument, or it was, there was never a whole lot of peace around that discussion. I got home, and it was anything but the dream that we had put out in front. Uh, it was very difficult. Uh, things were not going the way that I thought they had, were going to go. Uh, it was a commission-only job. It was a period about seven seven months to where no income came in from. And so I took a job basically working minimum wage and not getting uh, maybe 20 hours a week uh, of work. So it was real tough. The pressure was on. It was it was very stressful. It's like reality hit, how much money is in the account? And we don't have any extra to give or whatever. We've got to use all this for what we have right now. And we went to a church service, and the, uh, the sermon was really on the life of Joseph and the test that he went through. And I think for us at that time frame, we were able to really relate to what was going on. And then in that same sermon, it all circled back around to the tithe. And for me, uh, 
the tithe was always kind of felt like it was the church asking me for money. Uh, but the Holy Spirit really worked on me that day. And I really saw the tithe uh, as God's promise and how, you know, how important it is to give God your first fruits, how important it is to make sure that, um, you know, that you recognize that it's God's money, all of it. Instantly we decided, okay, this is, this is the direction we're going to go. I mean, we really had nothing else to turn to. It was either we can keep doing what we're doing or we could really grasp onto this promise. And it was the promise that God was going to take care of us. From that point on, it was don't look back, go forward. And things started to rapidly change in our life um, because we had decided at that point together to do that. As we started to tithe and things took place, uh, an opportunity came along for me. Uh, and again, it was an opportunity that on paper didn't make sense, didn't look like you know, there was, I was not qualified for it, certainly. And a guy without a college degree, uh, a guy without experience in that industry, um, there's only one explanation of how I got it. Really instantaneous, um, it, it more than doubled our income. I mean, instantly. It changed our lives, changed our hearts, and molded us into who we are. And we can go back and really relive those experiences and emotions we had during that time. Uh, our marriage got a lot better. Our relationship started to get a lot better. I mean, that was the turning point for us, was that Sunday when we made that decision. Um, I mean, there's definitely no coincidence in that. It was, it was, it was all God. It doesn't matter where you are financially, you, you can't afford not to tithe. God wants to bless you, but we've got to do things God's way. So this morning, if you would, would you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17? And today I want to talk to you a little bit more. I want to kind of build on what we started last week in talking about the tithe by talking about a principle that relates to walking in the blessed life that God has called you to walk in. And that is the principle of the first. In fact, if you're one of those people that likes having a title for your, your notes, like my wife, Sarah, you can call this message First Things First. So we're talking about how God wants to be first in your life. If God is first, let me just tell you this morning, then everything else in your life is going to come into order. If you put God first, all of the rest of your life will come into order. But if God is not first, then the rest of your life is going to be out of order. Your marriage, your finances, your health, uh, business, ministry, whatever it is that you're wanting to do. If God's not first in your life, then none of those things will be able to come into order. Now, as we jump into this this morning, um, when, I want to ask kind of a question, kind of throw this out there. In your life, if you're playing a sport or if you're in some kind of competitive uh, you know, thing in your life, maybe it's a sports team that you follow, maybe it's a game that you're playing, let me ask you, how many of you like to come in first when you play a sport or do something like that, right? Most of us do. We want to, we want to be first. We like to win. Growing up, I played a lot of sports, and uh, I played on some really good teams, some championship teams, but I also played on some really bad teams. And let me tell you, the winning teams were a lot more fun than the losing teams. In fact, yesterday, I got to brag on my son. My son's in this little flag football league with seventh, uh, seven, eight, and nine-year-olds. And uh, his team, yesterday, they played for the championship. They had an undefeated season, and they won the championship flag football. He's the quarterback, and it was awesome. So awesome. And we went home, and we celebrated. We had ice cream. We partied because he won. My family likes to win. We like to come in first. In fact, I got to tell on somebody this morning a little bit. In our home, the most competitive person is probably the person you would least expect to be the most competitive person, and that is sweet little Sarah. Everybody looks at Sarah, and they're like, oh, she's so cute, and she's so sweet. And, and she is. She is. Don't get me wrong. 
But for those of you who know her at a deeper level, <laughs> you know there's another side of her that is uh, cutthroat. <laughs> and that is the competitive side of her. She likes to win. In fact, I was thinking about this this morning. She played in a softball league when we first got married. And I remember it was like having a kid. Like after the games were over, if she lost, I literally would be in the car going, "Hun, if you don't get a better attitude, I'm not going to take you these games anymore. <laughs> this is my wife. And uh, about a year ago, we were teaching my son, Gus, he was seven at the time, keep that in mind, how to play Monopoly. And so in her family, Monopoly is a big deal. In fact, next weekend, they have a Monopoly tournament. It, it's crazy. You can ask her about it later. But we're, so we're teaching Gus the ropes of Monopoly. And so we sit him down and we're showing him how everything works. And I, you know, I'm trying to help him along. And I'm not playing the way I normally do. I'm trying to help him kind of, you know, figure out how this game works and, and stuff. Meanwhile, sweet little Sarah is on the other side plotting my demise and his. At the point, at one point in the game, uh, she's like mad at me because I won't trade her this property. And I'm like looking at her going, this is his first time, you know, going to be, I, I, I text her like under the table at one point and said, Hey, take it easy. This is his first time. I kid you not. Here's the text I got back. I don't care. He has to learn how to lose at some point. <laughs> That's sweet little Sarah. So yeah, we like to win in the blunt home. And, and I think we all do. We all want to be number one, right? We like being number one. Nobody wants to hold up the foam finger at the end of the year that says, we're number seven. No. We want to be, we want to be number one. Now, here's a question for you. In, in your life, if you were to kind of list out your top ten priorities, where do you think God would fall in your top ten list? Think about that for just a second here. And let me ask you another question. Where do you think he wants to be in your top ten list? And that I can actually tell you. Matthew 6, Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Notice it says first. Everybody say first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Notice we seek God first and everything else gets added. Everything else works out. Now that word first there, if you look up the definition, here's what this means, okay? Check this out. First in time, first in place, first in succession, first in rank, first in influence, first in honor, first in principle. In other words, first in everything. He wants to be first. That's where Jesus wants to be. That's where God wants to be in your life first. It's like we talked about in the first week of this series. In the beginning, God. That's how we need to live our life. In the beginning, everything that we do, God leads the way. We put God First, there's a story in scripture where this, this Pharisee lawyer comes up to Jesus and he's trying to kind of trip Jesus up, which is a really good idea. But he's trying to trip Jesus up by asking him a question. He says this in Matthew 22, verse 36. He says, teacher, which is the great, greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now look at what it says next, verse 38. This meaning, this meaning loving with your all, this is the first and great commandment. God wants to be first. He wants to be number one. He doesn't want to be in your top five. He doesn't want to be in your top 10. He didn't die on the cross so that he could possibly get into your top 10 list. He wants to be numero uno. He wants to be number one. And so my first point this morning, if you're taking notes, write this down. God must be first. And we have to live our life that way. 
God wants to be first. And if you want to live the blessed life, God must be first. We've got to put God first. We've got to be intentional to put God first in everything that we do. All right. Now, if I was to ask everybody in here this question, you know, where is God in your life? I think for the most part, most of you would probably want to answer and say, he's, he's first, uh, or I'm working to, to, to make him first. Well, let me, let me tell you a way that you can kind of know. Take a look at your bank account. Because, you see, I can learn a lot about you by looking at your bank account. Because what you value, you invest in. Just the way it is. So does your bank account say that you honor God and you value him? Or does it say that you honor and value other things in this world? It's a, it's a real reader of where things are when it comes to God in your life. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We value and we invest in what we value. Now, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 17 here together because this kind of speaks to this idea a little bit of what can happen if we're willing to put God first. And as you look at this, let me, let me kind of set this up for you a little bit. There's a recession taking place in Israel. Things are going really bad. Uh, the people of Israel have, have had one, another one of these seasons where they've turned away from God, and because of that, a curse has been unleashed on them, and there's a famine happening, and there's actually going to be three and a half years where there is no rain for three and a half years in Israel. And so this is right in the middle of this. Uh, this prophet Elijah, God comes to him and sends him to this woman, and we'll pick this up in verse 8. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, talking about Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now, remember, this is during a drought. And he's asking her for water. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12, so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, all she has in this world, that we may eat it and die. She is in a dire place, a bad place. All she's got is a little bit, and, and she's, she's literally making her final meal. They're going to eat this meal, and then they fully expect that they're just going to wait on starvation and death to take, to take hold. It's a bad place she's in. Now, look at the response of the man of God, Elijah. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. In other words, uh, walk by faith is what he says. Go and do as you have said, but look at this. Make me a small cake from it. Look at what the next word is. In fact, say it with me. First. He asked for her to do something for him first and bring it to me. And look at this. Afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. So here's what he says. I want you to, okay, that's fine. Go do what you're going to do, but first take care of me. First do this, and then go make something for yourself. Put me first. But, but here's what he's actually saying. He's been sent by the Lord, so he's saying, put God first. Now look at uh, verse 14. He gives her a word. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the, until the day the Lord sends rain to the earth. So he's saying, take care of me first, and God's gonna do something supernatural for you. Verse 15, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her, and her household ate for many days off a handful of flour 
and oil. See, see, God multiplied it. He began to multiply what she had. He blessed what she had. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the, the, the jar of oil run dry. According to, look at this, the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. Okay, so this is an amazing story, right? Of God providing for this person in a dire situation. But I couldn't help but read this this week and just think, man, Elijah is gutsy, right? I mean, imagine this for real. You go to somebody and they are like literally preparing the last meal, preparing to die. Everything looks bad around them. And you're just like, okay, make me a cake first. Anybody else this hit them a little? But, but here's what I want you to know. Elijah understood something that we need to understand. And I think it's a point that a lot of us miss when it comes to this story. See, a lot of us look at it as what well, God was going to provide for Elijah through a widow, but that's not really what God ended up doing. God provided for the widow when she was willing to put God first. See that? God wanted to use Elijah in her life so that she could honor God and put God first. And because of that, God blessed her. See, Elijah, God didn't need to use this widow to provide for Elijah. God provided for Elijah in a lot of different ways. In fact, before this story, there's another story in Scripture where uh, what happens right before this is Elijah is, is talking to this King Ahab, who's a wicked king, and he's really part of the reason why this, this famine has come on. This king is worshiping idols. He's a bad guy. And, and Elijah comes and, and kind of brings this, this prophecy of this curse that's going to take place. And so Ahab hates Elijah. He wants to kill him. So Elijah has to go into hiding. And he's hiding during this famine, during this, this drought. And so he's kind of in a dire situation himself. But God provides for him. In fact, in 1 Kings 17, verse 6, it says, The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So these ravens are bringing him food. Now, here's what's really interesting. This is not in the Bible, but Jewish, Jewish historians will say that uh, King Ahab had this tradition during this season of his life. See, Ahab, um, he worshiped all these different gods. And there's a story that one day he was in his kingdom and he was eating his dinner and some ravens came into his house and they grabbed some food off his table and flew out of, with, with this food. And he looked at that as a sign that he needed to start worshiping these ravens and making an offering to them. So here's what he began to do. He began to set out a table every morning and every night with all these choice foods and meats and fruits and all this stuff on it. And ravens would come down and they would take these foods, they'd take this food and they would fly off with it. Now, wouldn't it just be like God, right? That the, that, that the guy that is trying to kill Elijah, he's using that guy to provide food for Elijah during this season, during this drought. Isn't that amazing? It's not in the Bible. I believe it's true though, right? But here's what you see. Um, God provided for Elijah. He didn't need the widow. He's providing before. He actually provided for, for him afterwards. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 19, there's another situation where Elijah finds himself in desperate need of, of, of food and kind of in a rough place. It says in verse 5, Then he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. By the way, this is the first angel food cake in history. Now, thank you. But, that, but here's what I want you to see. God didn't need to use the widow to provide for Elijah. 
God wanted to provide for this widow. And when she was willing to obey God and put her house in order and say, even in this dire situation, I'm going to honor God and I'm going to believe the word of God in faith, it, it empowered God to do something supernatural that changed her life, that saved her because she put God first. And listen, please hear me. That's what God wants to do for you. God wants to bless you and provide for you supernaturally, but you're gonna have to do things his way and put him first. God must be first. And, and, and when we tithe, when we give to God, when we, when we give our first to God and we, and we bless him, we bring back the tithe to him. When we do what he asks us to do, we empower him to move in our life, to come in and to help us in every area of our life and provide for us. See, tithing does two things. If you're taking notes, write this down. Tithing does two things. It gives you provision and it gives you protection. Tithing brings provision and it brings protection. When she gave to God, it provided God the opportunity to bring provision to her life. And he was able to bless her and take care of her. Even though she didn't have very much, he used it and he blessed her in that area. But beyond that, he was, actually, he was able to bring protection into her life too. If the story goes on, and just a few verses later, her son dies. This lady, her son just dies. And it says in verse, let's see, 1 Kings 17, verse 21, it says, then he, talking about Elijah, stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. I believe the reason God was able to do that miracle in the life of that child is because she empowered him to do that when she took that step of faith and said, I'm gonna put you first and empowered God to bring provision and to bring protection and bring life back to dead things in her life. That's amazing. And that's what God wants to do in you. Remember what Malachi 3 said? We looked at this last week. They said, if you bring the tithe in the storehouse, I will open the windows of heaven. That's provision. And pour out a blessing. God wants to give you more than you have. And it says, and I will rebuke the devourer. That's protection. God wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. He wants to help you. But we have to do things his way. Now, imagine that I had 10 $1 bills up here, Okay. I don't, but imagine that I did, okay? And I laid them out on this table, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, one dollar bills. What is the tithe of ten one dollar bills? Anybody in the house know that? You guys awake this morning? What is it? One dollar, right? All right. Everybody got the coffee. Good. Now, here's the next question for you. Which one would be the tithe? Is it the one? Wow, you guys are on it. You didn't give me a chance to set that up. Yes, you're right. It's the first. It's the first that comes out. In fact, point number two this morning is tithe equals first. God wants to be first in your finances. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says this, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So the tithe is the first fruits. It's the first portion spent or given. In other words, it's the first thing that comes out of our check when we receive a check. Now, I grew up in church. I grew up tithing since I was a little kid. I remember I'd get, you know, a birthday card with 10 bucks from grandma and, and my parents would break that into 10 ones, you know, and they'd give me one and I got to bring the tithe back to God. And so I would do that. And, and then when I got paid, I, that was always a practice. I've never struggled with tithing a day in my life because I learned it as a child. When you get stuff inside you at a young age, it's easy for you to do it as you progress and, and grow in God. 
That's why we teach your kids these kind of principles right now. We want to help them to walk in the fullness of all God has for them. So I learned this at a young age, but here's what I didn't necessarily learn for a while was, was not just a tithe, it's the tithe. And the tithe is the first. And there's a principle in scripture that goes along with this that really, I want to show you this morning, okay? Exodus chapter 13, if you have your Bible turned there, if you don't, you can, you, can, you can look along with me this morning, but this is so cool. Exodus chapter 13, starting verse one, it says, then the, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn. We're talking about first, right? The firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. Now that word, it is mine there. That's that little phrase there. It's very emphatic. It's very strong, okay? Verse 12, it says, that you shall set apart to the Lord, we're setting something apart, all that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Now, it sounds kind of harsh, and I'll explain this in a minute, but let me just, if, basically, here's what God's saying. If you don't do it this way, you're gonna lose it anyways. Is what God's really saying. And all of the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so let me explain this to you. There's a, there's a principle, there's an idea here, and, and it's this. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And we see this all throughout Scripture over and over again. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. When you give the first to God, it is redeemed and it is blessed. Okay? So here's what would happen. Uh, if you were... If you had a, a sheep back in the day and your sheep gave birth to a lamb, that firstborn lamb had to be sacrificed to God. If you had a, another, because a sheep was a clean animal, right? And a lamb was a clean animal. It was considered clean in Jewish culture. Now, if you had an unclean animal like a donkey and it gave birth to a baby donkey, does a baby donkey have a name? Donkey, right? Somebody, somebody in here knows all about donkeys like this guy's an idiot. Sorry, donkey person. Anyways, your donkey has a baby donkey. Then you, you wouldn't sacrifice that donkey. You would sacrifice another lamb in the place of that donkey. You would take a clean animal and sacrifice it for the unclean. Maybe some of you see where this is going already, but this is a beautiful picture of what would happen later when Jesus came. See, Jesus came to this earth, and he was born of a virgin, a pure woman. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so he's both God and man, the Bible says that he lived a perfect life, that he never sinned, and he died on the cross for our sins, for me and you, because here's the thing, me and you have sinned. He was clean, we were unclean. And so he came to this earth and he died in our place, and the clean was sacrificed for the unclean, and because he was sacrificed for us, he redeemed us, he bought us back. Isn't that awesome? And what we see in that is that God never asks us to do anything that he doesn't already do. See, God always leads in anything he asks us to do. He leads the way for us. And, and God can ask us to give our first. And here's why, because he gave his first. God so loved the world that he gave his only, his first, his best. He gave us Jesus. And Jesus made a way so that we could be redeemed. The first has redeeming power in our lives. And we need to realize that in our lives, that the same, what's true, what was true for God, what was true for them is true for us today. That the first has redeeming power. If we'll give our first to God, it redeems and it blesses the rest. Let me, let me show you another story of this. In Genesis chapter four is the story of Cain and Abel. And it says, verse two, Abel was a keeper of sheep. 
But Cain was a tiller of ground. In other words, um, Abel was a rancher and Cain was a farmer. And in the process, now notice these words, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought, look at this, an offering, a fruit from the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, or in other words, if you do things my way, if you do things the way I've said to do it, will, I, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, watch what happens here if you don't bring the offering the way God said to. It says, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. In other words, we open up the door for sin in our life when we don't do things God's way. Verse 8, now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and he killed him. So, so what happens in the story? We've got Cain and we've got Abel, and we're going to look at the hearts of these two guys today. And we've got Cain and, and, and Abel, and they bring an offering to the Lord, and one does it right and one does it wrong. Uh, Abel brings the firstborn. And he brings it when God asks for it. But, it, but notice the, the wording. It says Cain brings an offering, and he brings it in the process of time. See, Abel, or Cain's heart was not right. And, and I can show you this in Scripture. Because there's other verses in Scripture that point to what happened here. In fact, if you look at uh, Jude, verse 11. Jude is only one chapter, so Jude, verse 11. It says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Okay, so we're talking about Cain here, the way of Cain. Look what it says. They have run greedily in error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, I want you to notice it says the way of Cain, and then it talks about greed and rebellion. See, Cain didn't bring the first to God. He didn't bring the best to God. He brought it his own way because his heart was full of greed and rebellion. And let me just tell you, if you struggle with this, and I'm not trying to be mean, hear me. But I, I know I want to help you because I know you want to be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed? We want to be blessed. So if you're struggling with, with obeying God when it comes to your, your giving, your tithing, let me just tell you what, what's in your heart, some greed and some rebellion because you want to do it your way. That's, that's what Cain said. I, I'll do what I want. I'll give what I want, and I'll give when I want. And if the posture of your heart is I'll give where I want, I'll give what I want, and I'll give when I want. If that's how you think when it comes to giving, let me just tell you, that's greed and rebellion. Because God's told us how we're to give. I, I've even had people uh, say stuff like this before. Um, they say, you know, I, I give as the Lord leads me. And let me just tell you, that's just an excuse for rebellion. I'm just calling you out. Because I'll tell you how the Lord leads you. He said it in his word. He's not going to tell you to do something that goes against his word. He, he makes it clear how we're to do this. So I, I, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be mean, but I want you to hear me. I want you to be blessed. I really do. This is about God blessing you. And for some of you, you need to recognize that there's some stuff in your heart that needs to get fixed. And how you fix it is you begin to obey. You begin to do things the right way. Verse 3, it says, and in the process of time, in other words, the Hebrew uh, says it this way. It says, at the end of days. So he brought this at the last second, basically. It says he brought an offering. That's the heart of Cain. 
But I want you to look at this in contrast to the heart of, of Abel. But before I say that, look at this. Proverbs 19, verse 3 says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. Ouch. <laughs> want me to read it again? No? Well, I'm going to. <laughs> People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. I, I see it all the time. People come and they're, they're upset with God because something is not working in their life or something's not, they look at other Christians and they see things happening in their lives and they're like, why not me? Well, that's a good question for you. Why not you? Because God's no respecter of persons. If it's not working for you, it's probably because you're not working it right. Are you obeying God? Are you fully surrendered? Are you doing it the way God says is your heart right? Now look, let's look at the heart of Abel here because Abel had a completely different approach. And how we know the heart of Abel is, again, we see it in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says this, By faith, everybody say faith. faith. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Abel was a man of faith. It says, by faith, he offered his sacrifice. And point number three this morning is this. First takes faith. First takes faith. I get it, guys. I understand. It takes faith to do this. It takes faith to put God first. It takes faith to, to bring your tithe to the church and obey God and what he's asking us to do before you pay all those other bills. That takes faith. But God wants you to recognize him first. And when we do... It empowers God over the rest. It's this, this law. We redeem the rest when we give God the first. And that's what God wants to do. It, it wouldn't have taken any faith for the widow to say, okay, Elijah, I'll do what you say, but let me first go make this bread for me and my son, and then if there's anything left over, then I'll bring you a cake. She wouldn't have seen the miracle had she had that approach. It, it took faith for the people of Israel to give the first lamb. You notice God didn't say, wait till your sheep has 10 lambs and then give me one of them. And you can give me the one you like the least, the one that runs away and, you know, poops all over your house or whatever. He doesn't say that. He says, I want the first. He wants the first before any of the others are born. But here's what happens. That's a step of faith. And let me tell you guys, faith is a powerful, powerful thing in your life. And God wants to use it in your life. Look at this, Hebrews eleven six. Man, this hit me like a ton of bricks this week. It says, but without faith, look at this, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I, I kind of used to think of that verse as I want to please God. I want to kind of impress God. I want God to be happy with my, with my production, with what I'm doing. Kind of like being on a, a team, you know, and you got a coach and you want to please the coach or you want, to, you want to please a father who you look at and you think that he's never pleased you with you. You can never do enough. Maybe that's how you see this verse. Let me just tell you, that's not what God was saying at all. This week, God brought me back to this verse and he reminded me of what Jesus said in Luke twelve thirty two. He said, it is your father's good pleasure to, in other words, it's your, what pleases God. Here's what pleases God. Look at this, to give you the kingdom. You want to know what pleases God? Giving to you. It's impossible to please God. When you don't walk by faith, you stop God from being able to do what pleases him 
which is give to you. He's your father and he wants to bless you. He wants to give you good things. But when you won't walk by faith, it handcuffs him from being able to do that in your life. I've got three kids. I love my kids. I love to bless my kids. I love to give them good things. I like to take them to to fun places, to like Disneyland, to do fun things. I like to give them gifts. I like to, I like to bless them. It brings me pleasure. At Christmas time, I'm not looking at them to trump what I give to them. That's not the point. I love to bless them. And listen, that's the heart of your father for you. He wants to bless you. He loves to bless you. But without faith, you handcuff him. Faith is the substance God works with in this world. See, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's not the 10% that enacts the blessing. It's the faith that enacts the blessing. The faith is what God needs. And when you, when you put him first, it takes faith. That takes faith. It takes faith to say, God, I'm going to do this before I know all the answers. And that's what Elijah was able to do, to go to this, this lady who's in this dire circumstance. But he knew what the word of the Lord was. He knew she was going to be taken care of if she would just simply obey the Lord. Jesus told us, it's your Father's good pleasure. He wants to bless you. So first takes faith. To give the first takes faith. You don't, you don't pay all your bills, and then if there's enough left over, then, you know, then you'll tithe off whatever is left over, or then, then you'll give if there's enough. That's, that's not what God's asking. He's asking for the first. Now listen, I'm not trying to be legalistic here either. I understand we live in a different world today that before you even get your check, most of the time, all your taxes are already taken out of it. I know there's auto deductions that take place in our life. I'm not saying that, you know, if you get, if you receive your tithe on a Thursday and your wife goes to the grocery store before you write the check, you don't go to her and go, thanks, babe, now we're cursed. (laughs) That's not the point. It comes back to the heart. Where's your heart? Are you doing everything you can to put God first? to make sure you're bringing God your first, your best, and that you're willing to say, I'll put you first. I've had these conversations with so many people, and I, like Elijah, can look at people who say, I don't know that I'm gonna have enough if I do this, and say, just try it, just do it, test God in this, because I know he'll come through. I want God to bless you. You see, here's what happens when we obey God and we put him first. It displays to our, it displays our heart displays our heart for God. He sees that we're willing to trust him in areas of our life that it doesn't make natural sense. I get it. It doesn't make natural sense to give 10% of the money you have away. It doesn't make natural sense, but it makes faith sense. It takes faith to do that. And when you do it, God looks at your heart and he says, that's someone that puts me first. I can, I can come in. I can open the windows of heaven for them. I can bless them. I can rebuke the devourer. I can give them the privileges and the rights that they are owed that I said I will give them. It empowers God in your life to bless you. It redeems your life financially. It shows you where your heart is. Every time I write that check, every time we tithe, it proves to me, God, I put you first. I put you in front of my, in front of everything. I got bills I got things coming up. I got three kids. I got two daughters that are going to need a wedding someday. Here you go, Lord. Because listen, he can do way more with it than I can. So I surrender to him. But you know who else it shows your heart to? The devil. And I believe this. I truly believe this. In fact, I felt like God spoke this to me. That that when you tithe, the devil looks at those people because he knows the word of God. And when he sees people that are doing this the right way, I I don't even think he attacks us. I think he says, hands off. I can't do anything with them. 
They're obeying God. I can't even touch them. So I'm going to back off in that area. And I'm telling you, I've seen this so many times. I've seen people, I, I know people in my life that make way more money than me, that struggle because they don't obey God. Their stuff breaks down. Things are always seem to happen. They get, into, they get into trouble. They make bad financial decisions. Why? Because they're under a curse. And I've seen God stretch our lives and do amazing things. We, we were talking about this just this week. Us being here and having a home in this city, it's amazing how God has been setting us up for this, to be in this city over the past 10 years. With financial decisions, he, provision he brought, it's amazing. I look at it and I say, if not for God, none of this would be possible. God wants to bless you. Will you put God first? Would you bow your hands and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? Maybe you're here today and you're like me. At one point, you, you tithe faithfully. And you've been doing it, but maybe it's, it's kind of lost, you know, that act of worship. Maybe it's, it's a tithe, but it's not the tithe. And God's speaking to you today and saying, hey, let's change this. Let's make sure you bring this the right way. Bring it with a heart that says, I'm putting you first. Maybe today you've, you've never done this before. I, I'm, I'm telling you. Maybe you find yourself in a circumstance kind of like this widow where it's really hard and it seems tough. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to just tell you, just try it. Just test the Lord in this. And just see. God wants to enact a blessing in your life. And it's moved by your faith. Will you give God your first? I'm going to invite the altar ministry team to come up at this time. If you're here today and you have a need of prayer in your life, we would love to pray for you today. Uh, maybe you're here today and you need healing in your life. Maybe today you're here and, and during worship when we got those words about who said and th th that spoke to you and, and you just want to kind of seal that with the Lord this morning. Uh, I believe God wants to minister to some, to some people today. And, and if you're new to the church, you maybe have never seen something like this before where people come up and we pray for you. It doesn't happen at every church, but, but here's why we do this, because we look at the New Testament and we see that this was taking place a lot. People were having hands laid on them. People were being touched because when we join our faith with other people, the Bible says that it releases God's power multiplied in our life. So if you're here or you came to church this morning and you have a burden in your life, whatever that may be, don't leave with that burden. Come forward and be willing to, to pray with somebody else. These guys are not going to judge you. They're not going to not trying to knock you over or anything like that. They just want to pray for you. They just want to join their faith with yours and help you to have the blessing and the life that God wants you to have. So if you would, would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to go back into a song here. And I want to encourage you, maybe God spoke to you this morning, whatever he's spoken to you today, this is where you can kind of step into that and just say, Lord, I, I heard your word today and I'm gonna obey. From this day forward, I'm gonna obey. I'm gonna put you first. I'm gonna honor you. I'm gonna give my best. I'm gonna give my first to you in every area of, of, of my life. In the beginning, God will be on my tombstone. That's how I'm gonna live my life. And if you have need of prayer this morning, just, just come forward at this time. These guys would love to pray for you and minister to you. Lord, we, we thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what you're doing amongst us. Thank you, God, for your grace and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you came and you died on the cross for our sins and you made a way that you were clean and perfect and we were unclean, but we were redeemed by your blood and made alive through you. And Lord, it's our joy to give you back our best. It's our joy to give you back your first because you gave your best for us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.